Welcome to episode number 12 of the Lifestyle Engineering Podcast. And this specific episode was one of the most anticipated ones. And that is for a reason, because it is with no one other than Candice Horback. Candice was one of the top 10 personalities in the adult industry. Candice believes that life is messy and that's okay. We shouldn't be shying away from that fact. And she actively encourages people to think independently and to actively expand their curiosity. And that thing really resonated with me because pursuing our curiosity allows us to understand what we love and what we don't. And that helps us build up our self-awareness and an examined life is the one worth living. And this is exactly what Lifestyle Engineering Podcast is about. We aim to learn about how people find meaning and fulfillment in their lives and how they live unique lifestyles. So Candice's life story was a massive compliment to our big mission here. Candice built her social media presence to millions of followers. She's currently building her podcast, Chatting with Candice, in which she interviews people like clinical psychologists, charity founders, and the world's most inspiring woman by Vogue. During this podcast, we talk about her life story, entering the adult industry, and life in general. There's so much we cover. I'm really excited for this. Welcome, Candice Horback. My name is Candice Horback. I was in the adult industry for um, just short of a decade. I have my degree in psychology. Um, I currently just started my own podcast. So I'm exploring that. Um, yeah, just trying to like figure out who the who the new me is. I just had a baby. Um, so like that transition to motherhood and then like kind of recrafting my persona, it's, it's been interesting. Pretty exciting. Welcome to the show. I'm really excited to have this conversation. I honestly have been anticipating having a conversation with like with you in particular for probably a month now. So really looking forward to this. Yeah, I'm excited too. And it's, it's a very unusual thing for most people to even talk to folks from the adult industry in particular. You've made quite a name for yourself. You, you're probably like one of the top 100 people in the industry. Is that right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, um, I, since I retired, obviously, I've like dropped down a bit, but I've always kind of been in like the top 10. And then when I was contracted, I mean, there was a time that I was trending like above Obama on search engines and it was crazy. We did like this huge stunt where we were supposed to shoot a scene in space, like actually do one of those um, zero gravity, like out of the atmosphere scenes. So it just like went viral and was everywhere. And to see that was like so crazy. It was like this it's just so interesting to see when you're looking at the trending charts on like Yahoo or Google or whatever. And then we all pretend that, you know, no one wants to talk about sex and no one wants to really talk about the adult industry. But clearly there were a lot of eyeballs and a lot of people that were searching it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Zero gravity sounds amazing. Definitely one of those things on my bucket list. Have you done that at the end of the day? No, it didn't end up happening, but that would have been so cool. Yeah, that was it was definitely an interesting stunt that they were trying to do. It's not too late. You know, Richard Branson uh, has a company called Virgin Galactic and mm -hmm. they take people up to space and you can experience zero gravity for, I think, around for now, for an hour and a half or so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you want to spend like the 250 on it, for sure. So it's, it's coming up. And how does it feel to be a celebrity? You're literally a person, a person comparable to uh, Barack Obama, which is one of the most influential people in the world, probably like Leonardo DiCaprio. That just, I cannot even, I cannot even think about it. And at the same time, 
at the same time, you're also in an industry that's taboo. So you have a massive name, but also like talking about you with uh, with friends probably would be an unusual an unusual topic. You know, people talk about politicians all the time. How 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 does that compute in in your mind in general so like being a celebrity? I think it totally depends on who you ask because everyone has like a different, I guess, uh, definition of celebrity and all of that. I definitely don't. I don't put myself there. I know some people probably would. And if you look at like reach, it's definitely up there with some like mainstream celebrities. But for me, like I have like a lot of very grounding people around me. So I just like consider myself like very normal. Um, I think it's very easy to kind of get like swept up in that, especially like if you're going to conventions and if you're maybe out like in LA and you can kind of just like have more of that fandom. Um, um, So for me, it's, it's really important to, stay grounded it's really important to like be humble and then at the same if you do have a large platform it's important to use that for things that like you find like important so obviously like I use it to monetize but I also try to like spread a bigger message um for me like a lot of my platforms I like push like a spiritual kind of approach so like just like quotes that I find inspiring and just like positive especially right now um so I think it's really important to if you have the audience, use it for something bigger than yourself. I love the message and I definitely want to dive a little bit more into your mission. And um, one of the things that your podcast talks about is thinking for yourself or thinking being a rare thing. And it's, it's, a, fascinating, it's a fascinating topic and we'll definitely come back, come back to that. Can you tell me about kind of early days of your life what was kind of the first ambition or the first goal that you set for yourself? Um, so for me, I would say I moved out pretty early. Like I was kind of on my own around 17. Um, and then I moved down south for university, like around like 18, 19. Um, for what me, it was study? really, uh, well, I'm sorry. What did you study? Uh, psychology. Yeah, psychology. yeah, yeah. So I... For me, my my first goal was to be like financially independent. Like that was something that was very important to me. I didn't have a lot of like healthy role models when it came to finances growing up. And I never wanted to be in a position where I was dependent on somebody else because to me that took like power away. It took autonomy away. And I just wanted to be in control of my decisions. And if you can't pay your own bills, then whoever is paying them is in charge. Um, so first and foremost, that was the most important. And then as I was in university, I was in a long-term relationship at the time and it was just recognizing that that relationship wasn't right for me and then having the courage to kind of leave it in a place where I didn't know anybody because I moved, I literally moved to South Carolina with him. So I had no friends, nothing, but I just knew it was kind of like heading towards like the wrong path for where I was supposed to be. So taking that leap of faith and like getting to know myself on like a deeper level, because I don't think a lot of us ever question like our beliefs, who we are, where we want to go, like our higher self, if you will. So taking that leap and defining who I was in like this new state, going to school, what I wanted to do when I grow up, all of those like really big questions. Um, so that's kind of where it all started. And then I think with a lot of people, it's once you are forced to be independent in that kind of a way and like in that extreme, then you just like really start to find like who you are and like what your values are. And then almost like your path just like starts unfolding for you. 
What do you think about the traditional, I guess, university education in the United States? I studied in the United States and I'm originally from Russia. And when I came there, I thought, okay, I'm going to study. I'm going to do all of those exciting things, educate myself. And the school is very expensive. So I was really looking forward to uh, to really get myself educated. And then my freshman year, I come, uh, come on campus and everybody's partying, drinking, just doing crazy things. And the message that you just shared, you wanted to learn about who you are. And I think college times is definitely a great place for that. How, how do you feel? How do you feel about your first years in college? Did you, did you really feel like it was preparing you for, for the life to come or? I think everyone's going to have a different college experience depending on like where you go. I definitely went to a party school. So it was at a beach. So it was the same thing. Like people spent probably more time partying than learning. Um, and I think like, that's like a trap you can get stuck. Cause you're young, right? You're like, I have this new freedom and I can drink exactly. and I live by myself. And it's just a lot to kind of have to like learn to, um, like, a, I guess, moderate if you will. Um, I definitely don't think I got my money's worth at university. I spent a lot of money on school, um, because I was out of state and I feel like right now, especially like with all of the resources that you have as far as like books and the internet and e-courses that you can kind of like almost get a better education if you know what you want to do yourself without going to school. Um, I mean, I'm glad I did it because, you know, some people still want like that actual diploma. For some reason, we still have like this, like very, um, what's the word? Almost like there's like an expectation. Like it's almost like you have to go to high school and you have to go to college. So until we kind of like break that traditional mindset, I think some people are still going to think it's important, but as far as like quality of education and like what you learned, I've learned more since I've graduated than while I was in school, probably combined. Um, so That's I don't so think, I don't think it's important for everyone to go. No, absolutely. And it's very fascinating. I was actually doing research for my book uh, as for the origins and the history of the educational system. And the most interesting thing that really fascinated me, first of all, educational system is relatively new in, in the United States. It's been around and in the world, it's been around for like 150 years. And before then, people actually didn't didn't go to school, didn't, didn't learn all that much. And then the way educational system came to be is because, because people who, uh, like the bourgeoisie, they wanted to have people to work at factories, you know, and to have educated workers. So it, it's kind of fascinating looking at the world today and, you know, having this expectation of like getting a degree, but in a way it kind of shapes us in a, in a certain specific direction of, you know, being employees and just doing whatever is expected of us. So I'm curious, what, what are universities like in Russia? I didn't go to university in Russia. I actually went to a university in Virginia and then I went to USC. It's also a massive party school. Did you have friends that went to university though in Russia like that like told you like their experience or I'm just like curious what the differences are? I think the differences are is that, well, first of all, the drinking age in Russia is uh, 18 officially and then unofficially is probably 14 or something. Uh -huh. So when people go to university, then they, they already kind of got the party out of their system in, in many in many respects. So when they go, they, they actually they actually just, you know, learn, study and and yeah, that, that's kind of the, the setup there. Mm -hmm. So I would say like with university here, I just like 
heard some like I don't know how accurate it is, but it's like one theory as to why university here is so expensive. So it used to be that if you were applying for a loan for school, like you would graduate high school, you would go to a bank bring in your report card and say what school you wanted to go to. And according to your grades, they would either give you the loan or not. So because it was a bank loan, you could actually default on the loan and then the school would be out of the money and then you wouldn't be um, responsible for the balance. So then when the government was the one that started handing out the loans to students, well, you can't default on a government loan. So then the universities kept like jacking up the prices because they're guaranteed the money and there's no like risk on their end. The risk is solely on the student now. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting. And it's yeah, kind of it, yeah, it's fascinating. And, and schools are so expensive these days. Uh, the school I went to cost $55,000 a year you know, for tuition. I can, I can learn all of those things online these days. Oh, totally. And then skip all of the classes that don't really apply to whatever like your you know main objective is. And then I also think that another reason not to go to school, depending on like where you fall as far as like your belief system, but it kind of goes back to thinking for yourself is a lot of like what our fundamental like American beliefs are kind of being taken away from campuses. So like one campus, I can't remember the, which one it was, but they have a free speech bubble. So unless you're in this bubble, like in the courtyard, that's like actually lined out, like you have to like obey the new like restrictive speech, speech laws of like the campus. So like speech is being censored, like as far as like politics go, it's all super, super left. So like there's not, you're not in a position where you can actually get information from both sides and then like kind of decide what your belief system is. It's like, well, this is the only way that of thinking that's right. And if you don't, we're gonna like either kick you off or you're gonna get like shamed by everybody. So I just feel like you're not really getting like real world experience anymore. Yeah, I, I can feel you. I, I can feel you definitely. Definitely, I feel like college didn't prepare me for, for the world to come. Mm -mm. And for you, you're, you're such, a such an educator person. You, you, you study psychology. Why do you pick psychology as a major? So my mom was really pissed when I did. She's like, what are you going to do with this? You're wasting your time. But to me, it was like one of the things I'm like, this would, this can benefit me no matter where I end up. I think if you know people, then you can kind of get by in any field. I think it's just, I wish more people understood like relationships with each other because then we would be in more of a space where you can like communicate different ideas and have rational, calm conversations. Um, but I think especially with the industry that I was in, I think it maybe I could see people's moves before they made them a lot of times. And then that protected me in like a lot of ways in an industry where like you can be very vulnerable. Um, so it helped me out a ton and I could see it helping out again, like I said, for almost any walk of life, really. When did you realize you wanted to study psychology? I would say probably in high school, I started taking some college courses um, my senior year, and one of them was like Psych 101, and I just thought it was amazing, and I just kind of like gravitated. It just like captivated my interest, and it was like the one class I didn't have to like really try to do well in. It just came naturally to me, so I was like, this is what I want to do. And were you a good student in, uh, in high school? Terrible student. Yeah. <laughs> like I actually, I graduated early. So, um, by the time I was like in senior year, I only had to do like half days cause I was already done. And then most of my half days were actually college courses. 
Um, so I was good in that respect, but I did it because I didn't want to be there. I just like, I didn't have a lot of friends really. And it just wasn't a good time for me. So I just, if I could get in, do my work and then leave, like that was the best for me. And what was the, the plan overall? You were going to go to college. Did you have a boyfriend before you, before you went to college? Yeah, I had the same. It's so crazy. I'm like, I can't believe my mom allowed this. I had the same boyfriend from the time I was 13 till 19, like crazy. So, I mean, there was definitely some benefits to that relationship, but I just feel like in that critical time of your life, like you just need to like really find yourself and like live and have like as many experiences as possible. And then if you're like in such a serious relationship so young, I think it makes you grow up a little bit too fast. Absolutely. I, I know so many people, they, they meet somebody early on and then, and then pretty much they do not know life outside of, uh, outside of that. Um, they do not know how it feels to be a single and uh, how it feels to just make independent decisions that uh, do not have to take other people into consideration all the time. Right, exactly. That's fascinating. And I'm super curious to know, like the big question, how did you, how did you get into the adult industry? What, what was the, the first even idea, thought, interaction? Uh, it's, it's like one of those, it's going to sound crazy because it kind of like just happened. So um, I was doing bikini modeling at the time. And then I was just like approached for doing implied modeling. So like suggestive, nothing was shown, just like very tasteful, implied photography. So I started doing that and I was like, okay, well, I've always like really idolized like women that could kind of like own their sexual power because I just think there's there's so much like energy there and if you can kind of like own it, it's just like this very powerful tool that you can have. So first that's just where I wanted to be and I just wanted to be like this you know, strong Carmen Electra woman that just like had this like magnitude about them. So I went from doing the implied and then again, someone else like reached out to me. They're like, we'll fly you to Florida. We'll pay you X. We'll, you know, have the whole scene. It'll be like this really big deal. And I was just like, I'm in like, fly me. Like, let's just do this. And I was shaking like leaf the first time. I was so nervous. Um, like contrary to, I guess, like to probably um, popular belief, like was not like promiscuous in my real life at all. So it was like a very big jump and like stark difference to like what I was used to. Um, but I don't know, it just like felt right. So I kind of, I did the one shoot and I was like, this is amazing. I loved everything about it. And I was in. Probably a lot of attention uh, as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And at a young age, like you, like it's intoxicating. So you're like, yes, you? I'll do more of that. Um, I would say like my first like actual scene was probably like twen 20 or 21. So you were still in college. Mm -hmm. Yep. You and then, then like that was also like an, ended up being an ordeal because I ended up like blowing up. Like I became like really, really popular, like out the gate. So that ended up being um, a bit of an issue on university as well. Cause I went to a Southern school. So like that was a whole thing. Um, yeah. How, how did you discover modeling in general you know, or studying in the South? Um, I mean, just the, well, I was working at a Hooters. <laughs> so with Hooters, you do like the bikini competitions or whatever. So I was doing that. And then you have like a lot of people that go to those to like scout girls. So that's kind of where it all began. Was Hooters your first job? I'm sorry. What, what was your job at Hooters your first job or did you? Oh do no, before? I like, I was, I've always been like a workaholic. My first job, um, like officially was probably at like 
14 or 15 um, at like a Target. And then before that, I always like worked for my mom. So I did like all of her like cold calls and stuff like No way, you did cold things. calls. Yeah. <laughs> what were you selling? Insurance. No way. Super, super exciting stuff. People were like always looked forward to my call for sure. Were you good? No, it was terrible. <laughs> terrible, like a robot reading it. But I was like, it's fine. Like I'm getting paid and I'm, you know, helping my mom out. So I did it. What do you think that taught you? Uh, for later on? I would say like my work, my work ethic for sure I got from my mom. Um, like she has just always like grinded it out. Like she puts in the hours. She's had her own business a couple of times. So um, for me, it was like work. I would, I would say I didn't really start playing hard if you will into like later on in life, but like just like work, work, work. And it went back to like having that main goal of like financial independence. Um, so for me, it was always like, if I put in the time and like the energy, then like that will always be taken care of. And do you remember how you got scouted in, uh, at, the, at the Hooters to, to start doing modeling? Um, I want to say that it was just like someone that came up to me locally. And then we did like a couple like biker magazines. Um, I can't even remember the name of, I mean, names of them. I want to say like hot, hot wheels or something. I don't really like read those, but how, how does the conversation go? Well, I mean, I think like, as, um, like one of the competitors, like you're just like expecting that you're like, someone's going to see me and appreciate me. And then usually like, they'll say, Oh, I'm a photographer for X magazine. Here's my card. Um, I'd like to set up a shoot, submit your photos. And then if you get approved, then you get paid essentially is how it works. Um, so then you, a lot of it's like blind trust or hopefully like they have a reference that, you know, um, but like, so it didn't feel creepy at all. For me, no, but I think a lot of that is because like you want it to be real, right? So I've never, thank God, been like in a position where like someone wasn't who they said that they were, but ladies, if you're listening, always bring a buddy, like never go to a shoot by yourself. Um, but yeah, I've been really fortunate that like nothing bad has happened because I know that's obviously, that can be tricky. Mm -hmm. So you're, uh, you did a few shoots and then it started taking off. How did it feel like when things started taking off? Do, do you remember a moment when you realize, whoa, that's, that's happening, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm blowing up? I'd say it was like the first time that someone like recognized me in public by like my fictitious name and like asked for a photo. I remember I was at an airport. Um, I was at the Atlanta airport actually. And it's usually like a bunch of military dudes. Like they're the ones that are like hardcore fans. So it was like a bunch of young military guys like waiting for a plane and they were like shouting across the terminal and came up with cell phones. And I was like so embarrassed. Everyone was looking at me. And at the same time, like once I like got away from like all of the like movement and action, I was like, this is really cool. Like this is something like this isn't normal. <laughs> like I knew it wasn't normal. And like, in, again, in that moment, it's like just it's really intoxicating and I'm like so lucky that I was surrounded by like enough people that if I started to like maybe get a, my head a little bit too big they'd like bring me back down and be like it's not that it's not a big deal you're still Candace calm down you know don't let it go to your head um but it's still really cool like you can't even now it's still really cool and someone comes up and they're like such a big fan can I get a picture or whatever like I love that moment Mm -hmm. And um, and how did that transition from from being a model to uh, to entering the adult industry happen? So after um, a couple like magazine shoots, 
I think like there was a couple sites that I really liked um, that I was just like a fan of like the work. I thought it was so cool because a lot of the stuff I thought was real is like not real. So I was like, oh, I want to do that reality house, whatever. So um, I like reached out and like sent them like my my photos from like the magazine or whatever. I was like, this is me. I want to shoot for this site and I want to meet these girls and whatever. And they were like sold 100%. Like, here's your ticket. We'll fly you down. Um, we did like, I think it was probably like a whole week of shoots. And then I flew back home because I had school. So it was like during like some kind of break. And then I was like back in like in classes thinking like, this is going to be something like something that just changed. Like I just, I made a very big decision and we'll see how this plays out. That was, that was for nude, uh, for like the, I see. For like videos. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And whose idea was it? Mine, yeah. So you just thought about, okay, I want to try it out. Yeah, I don't know. I was just like, I want to be like those women. I did like just, I always saw them from like a distance and followed them on like social media or I saw like the websites. And I just like thought it was, I don't know, like th again, like it was like this mix of just like glamour and power and like mystique and all of these things and i'm like that's just where i wanted to be it's not gonna sound crazy but it's just it was undeniably like my path was to like get into the industry i don't think that's like my ending point and i don't think it was supposed to be my ending point um but i definitely think it was something i was supposed to experience what made you have such a positive outlook on the adult industry? I feel like for a lot of ladies, there, there's a, this big stigma that if you uh, if you enter the adult industry, then you know, uh, then I know what. And I'm I'm just curious, how did you how do you have such an optimistic outlook on? Hey, I'm I'm going to try this out. It's going to be awesome, and started taking first steps. So it's like so hard because I don't like ever want to be misunderstood in the sense that I think like everyone should do it and it's this very positive thing and everyone can be successful because it's really fucking hard like it's a really really hard industry um very few people make money very few people last so like that's the disclaimer but for me it was like have you ever like had something just kind of like this tiny little voice in your head that's like like go that way, go that way, go that way. Like you're just like so sure that something's going to be on the other side. And like, that's the direction you're supposed to go that you just like blindly leap in, like, you know, both feet in, like just, you just know it's going to work out. There was just like some like indescribable pull in that direction. And I just had so much faith in like the outcome that I just went in. So I guess like that's the that's the other thing too is I'm like really fortunate that it did work out. I'm really fortunate that um, like my hard work paid off because like there's just a lot of there's a lot of sacrifices you make when you make that decision and it affects literally everybody in your life and that's like a forever thing. So it's definitely not something to make. It's not a decision to make lightly. But for me, it's just like that indescribable. Like I know this is what I'm supposed to do. So you, it feels like you felt really cold to 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 try it out. Did you have any people in your surrounding that that were a part of the industry or that have experience in in it? And that's like the the shocker. It just like it just kind of came out of nowhere. I remember like a lot of people being like really surprised. Um, 
again, cause I was like really shy and I always like had one boyfriend. Like I was like very like prude growing up. So a lot of people were very like, there's no way. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, like it just, it just manifested almost. And it sounds silly cause a lot of people are going to say like, oh, it's like really trivial cause it's just like the adult industry, but there's like been a lot of good that I've seen that's come out of my decision and a lot of like personal growth that has come out of that decision that wouldn't have happened otherwise. Um, and as many like toxic options or variabilities that can kind of be in that industry, there's also a lot of good that it does. Like, I can't tell you how many emails I've gotten from married couples or from couples that, you know, are separated because of someone's deployed and, they really like connect sexually through, um, you know, pornographic material or whatever. And that like helps maintain that connection while they're, you know, whether they're going through a hard spot in their life or again, like they're separated physically because of deployment, you get people that it pulls them out of depressions. It sounds crazy, but if someone doesn't have anything, like a lot of these people are providing like human connection to people that really need it. Um, so while it does have its, you know, its tarnish for some reasons, there all there is also like some benefit to it for sure. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to I'd love to dive into the the issues a little bit later of the industry. I think this is a fascinating topic, especially especially right now during these times when everybody has access to whatever information on our fingertips. And um, I'd love to learn about your first shoot. Uh, your first experience? Oh my gosh. So um, again, like I didn't know anybody in this industry prior, so I didn't really know how anything went. I went in, it was a reality. Um, it was called like, we live together. So I thought it was real. I thought it was like this gorgeous mansion and a bunch of just smoking hot girls lived there. And then these were just like crazy things that actually happened and like hate to break it to anybody. It's not real. It's absolutely scripted. Um, so I go and I'm in hair and makeup and they're trying on all these outfits and I'm like, this is so cool. And the girl I was shooting with was a huge name in the industry. Like she was in for probably at least a decade by the time that I was working with her. Um, and I always like idolized her. I just thought she was so beautiful and like such like, of like this, you know, star. And I was like, I'm so lucky to work with her. So I was like asking her for tips and she like, wouldn't even talk to me. And I was like, oh my gosh, she hates me. <laughs> so didn't talk to me at all before the scene. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, I ended, like, ended up making me a lot more nervous because I'm like, okay, not only do I not know what I'm doing, but she hates me. So like, how good is this scene going to end up being? Um, ended up coming out really well. But the whole thing, I kind of just like powered through it and I was like floundering a little bit. But um yeah, it was it wasn't like the the dreamy first scene I thought it was going to be, but unfortunately, that's how how it ended up happening. So you were a bit nervous, right? Uh, coming coming on, trying it out before before coming uh, coming in there. Uh, what was your thinking process? What was going through your head? Um. So again, like I mean, the photos. I was like, I'll I know I'll do the photo as well. I've, I'd been modeling for a little bit at that point. Um, for like that, I had zero skill acting, so I'm sure my acting for it, like we had to pretend we were setting up for like a Halloween party or something. And like all my lines were probably just completely messed up. <laughs> um, I just remember like try, like my main focus is like, just don't like, um, like don't pass out, 
Don't stutter. Make sure you look good and just, we'll see what happens on the other side. But I just, there wasn't, a, it was, there wasn't like a lot of like active thinking. I was just like there and I just wanted to like kind of immerse myself in the scene and like see what happened. And was there any, any type of like preparation, onboarding type of process for, for you coming in on the set or did you just come in, show up and you had to figure things out yourself? So as far as like onboarding, like not at all. So you have to be tested. Like that's like the one thing that has to happen. So you have to be tested like every two weeks. So you do that and like that's mechanical, whatever. Um, but other than that, like you literally show up, you do a shit ton of paperwork to make sure that like all the compliance is there. So like that's a little bit intimidating when you're brand how, new. How much is this, like, shit, stack, shit paperwork? A stack? Like a, a stack of paperwork, especially if you're a brand new girl and like no one knows you, it's like a stack. And then they like videotape the whole thing. Like they just like cover all of their bases. So um, that part's like very cold and intimidating. So lots of paperwork. What type of so thing do you need to sign? Uh, you're, you're 22 years old. Like uh, you, you probably cannot understand all of that lingua. Oh no, no. And I think like that's once we get into issues, that's where some of the, you know, issues come in is you don't have time for no lawyers looking it over. Right. It's just like, here's the paperwork, sign it or don't. Um, so yeah, lots of cold paperwork. And then the whole time, like, you're just like thinking like, should I, shouldn't I, should I, shouldn't I the whole time you're in makeup? Cause it is a huge deal. You know, the internet is forever. Um, and no one truly understands like the magnitude of that decision until it's like already been made. So again, thankfully it like worked out very well for me. Um, and I have like a very like loving tolerant circle, but I know that's not the case for a lot of people. And before coming on the set, did you, did you tell your friends that, Hey, here's where I'm going? You know, uh, did you share anything? With, so with I told, friends? I feel like I told maybe like one girlfriend and then like this guy that I like started kind of talking to and that's it. Were they supportive? Oh yeah. They were like, they were like, yeah, go do it. Like have fun. That's amazing. That's fascinating. I, I, I feel like if I was to tell my friends the same thing, they, 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 would, they would tell me, hey, are you, are you crazy? You know, it's going to be online for your lifetime and all that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think like I probably wouldn't have maybe jumped in like so like cavalier if I had someone that was like, oh, like think about this, 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 and this. And then I probably would have had like that whole analysis paralysis thing where you just like overthink, 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 and then maybe not do it. Um, and for me, that probably wouldn't have been the best decision. Yeah. The more you think, the less likely something is to happen. So it's really cool that you just kind of got curious, you know, went in and really went after it. Mm -hmm. how, how, how did, what happened after, after the first shoot? Um, how, how did your career develop? So, um, after that, it ended up again, I was like, so shocked at when it like it did so well because I was so nervous the whole time. And like the energy of the whole thing was like off to me. Um, but it immediately like did crazy numbers and porn is kind of like, um, a monopoly for the most part. Like it's pretty much one big company. Oh, really? Yeah. So that one company saw the numbers for that scene. And then if you do well, they'll book you for everything. So then I just started getting booked for all of their other sites and all of those did really well. And for me, like I, kind of, um, I slowly like would increase like the intensity of, of scenes. So you have like different categories of what you shoot and don't shoot and all that. So I was strictly just a girl, girl performer for like, I don't know, like four or five years. 
Um, So I like held out and then I ended up getting like a really big payday to switch to boy girl content. And at that time, um, that guy that I started seeing for the very first scene, we were engaged. So like that was like a whole transition and very big like um, milestone in our relationship because that kind of had to have us have like very uncomfortable conversations as to like what that decision was going to mean moving forward. How how does the your, your boyfriend or your husband feel like when um, when when I, I guess uh, when I guess you're dating somebody else and not dating somebody else when you're seeing somebody else? Yeah, also. like shooting a scene. Yeah. Um, so in the very beginning, it definitely was like a, a learning curve for both of us. Like, because obviously you're you're human, you're gonna have like those feelings of like jealousy and anger and whatever. So we had to like go back to like okay, well, this is a decision we made together. So let's talk out these feelings kind of a thing. What's fair for both of us? What's important in a relationship to both of us? And then just kind of defines like the values of our relationship. And then we kind of like took, it's going to sound crazy, but we took like sex out of it. Like it's just, if you sleep with somebody else, like that's not going to like, you know, take my love away from you. It's, it's, those two things can kind of coexist. Um, And again, it was just like a lot, it's like working out a muscle is what I kind of say with jealousy. It's like the more reps you do and like the more meditating you do and the more kind of like you take steps and steps and steps out and you kind of like re what is monogamy and what is sex and what is love and can you have sex without love? Like all of these really weird philosophical questions um, and then kind of make decisions that are good for your relationship. And do, do many people see each other as, um, as actresses and actors? Do they like date and how, how do their dating life look like? So for me, at least like based off of like the people I was exposed to, a lot of them just like stay within the industry because it is really hard to talk to someone who's not it and like convince them that it's just you know, like sex for a scene is different than having sex for fun, essentially. Um, So that jealousy factor is almost impossible for most people to kind of get over. So almost everyone is like within the industry. It's very rare that there's one in and one out. For me, I personally could never have done that. I needed the separation. Like I didn't want to be fully immersed in it. Like I wanted to be able to like do my work and then go be a real person and not like get too sucked into it. Um, but I find like for the people that are in dating within the industry, it's a lot easier because you don't have to worry about like explaining your day or dealing with someone else's jealousy. And I think a lot of the other issue I saw was a lot of girls had a bit of a double standard. So it was like they could shoot and because they viewed sex for work different than sex for fun, then the boyfriend, husband, whatever he was on the other side had to be monogamous and for it would be really interesting because a lot of times like those women or men on the that were in the industry had more jealousy tendencies than the partner that was not in the industry so that's when I see like a lot of kind of rifts happen in the relationship because I think no matter what it is whether it's you know monogamy whether it's like anything that's kind of like reliant on trust is it has to be like in uh, in level playing fields. So the same rules have to apply to both people. Otherwise you're going to start having like that budding of the heads. 
So for me, when I made that decision with my husband, it was, it was kind of like, it doesn't matter if this is just for work. Like this is the new, these are the new rules for the relationship and the new rules for the relationship is that like when it comes to being physical, like that's just not a big deal for us. Was there anything off limits? So yeah, we definitely, we still have rules for sure. And I mean, none of it, we're not like out there going crazy. It's not like this. Everyone thinks that, you know, we must be in like this really wild relationship and like it's a free for all and it's absolutely not. So it's 100% like you, like marriage comes first. Um, there's no, so there's other relationships that are called like poly, right? And that's, yeah that's like emotional too. So none of that, like no emotional relationships with anybody. Um, everything that if anything happens, it has to be very discreet, like very like drama free, not making a spectacle, like not being like talk of the town. Um, never if we're in a bad place. So if him and I are like not doing so well or if we are in like a fight cause, you know if you're with someone long enough that you're going to have bouts where like you're just not at your best as far as like your relationship goes so never when we're in a low um just like stuff like that so it basically comes down to just making sure you're putting each other first and for me like the bigger picture is is like we plan on being together for the rest of our lives right and we got together when i was in my 20s that's a very long time and I don't want him to ever feel like if he does something that that's going to jeopardize our relationship or our family now that we have a child. Like, that's not going to make me not love you anymore. That's not going to make my child have to go to two homes for Christmas. Like, to me, it's so much bigger and it's having like that grace and that forgiveness for discretions, whatever they might be. So it doesn't necessarily have to be physical. It's like you can fuck up however you're going to because you're a human and it's guaranteed but you can always come to me, tell me, and we'll fix it. I love that. Open communication, boundaries, uh, definitely a topic that I feel like most people would not would not consider or would, they, they probably think it's you know some like rock and roll lifestyle sex drugs and rock and roll people going crazy no no i mean we're in bed by nine usually like you know what i mean that's like, crazy together yeah it's just it's almost like with the alcohol thing that you were saying right in a lot of other countries where if you get the option to have it younger you get it out of your system and then that new gone and then you don't tend to overindulge and that can apply to like anything so I think in the beginning like he was really excited and I was really excited and we were both su super young and it was fun but like you're like okay well we did it and I like being with you more than I like being with anyone else and same goes for him so again it's it's more about like the grace and forgiveness if something ever happens than like a let's just go crazy whatever kind of thing and are you are you monogamous I mean, we are in the sense that like neither of us have been with someone in quite a while now. But again, like if he, I mean, assuming that the world isn't how it is now and like, let's say travel is a thing again, <laughs> if he were to like have gone on a trip and like something happened, like I wouldn't, that wouldn't affect me. I'd be like, okay, that was fine. I hope you had fun. I'm glad you're back. And uh -huh. it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be a thing. So I know it's crazy. You Most people are like, what do you mean? But I don't know. It's just like, I guess it's the, that confidence too in like our relationship. It's just like, I know what we have is so much more than like this physical shell. You know what I mean? 
Totally. So in in a way, there is no restriction uh, th that is set in stone, uh, but the expectation is that uh, the relationship comes comes first, and nothing should st stay in its way. Absolutely. Because I w what I would think if I was on on your husband's side, um, of, uh, you would be getting a lot of a lot of sexual diversity, and you know the traditional context is you know together for the rest of our lives. I, I I feel like I feel like I don't have I don't have you know certain sexual freedom, and that would not feel fully fair. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So that's I wanted to avoid that. I wanted it to feel fair. I wanted to be like. I didn't want to be a hypocrite at the end of the day. And again, like I was one of the most jealous people you've probably ever met when I first got in the industry. And then when we made that decision together to have like an abnormal arrangement is when it like really tested me and made me question like where those emotions were coming from. And then also to like admit that the way that I was handling my jealousy wasn't healthy. And I don't know, like we we've never been more secure or like happier in our relationship than after we like made it through like those trials and tribulations. That's fascinating. And that probably comes uh, with a lot of uh, communication and your background and psychology as well probably helps a lot. Oh yeah. We talk about everything. He, he talks to like his business coach um, and he's like, I wish more couples like had as open of a line of communication is the two of you. It's like we, nothing is off topics or off topic. We can, you know, discuss anything. Like no one's going to be like triggered or have their feelings hurt and say, how dare you? Like, it's always like a free open space, like no judgment to like come to each other and like discuss anything. I want to shift gears and talk about the business of the adult industry. It, it's fascinating. I talked to, I talked to, um, to musicians, I talk to actors and actresses, and what their actual life is is very different from what many people think it is. It's not about just you know waiting until the inspiration strikes. Uh, a lot of the times, they they wake up, they have a routine, you know, they write their music, you know, they uh, they do castings, you know, they they study, they network. How does it look like for the adult industry? Like, is there uh, is there I know like a a way to become successful uh, in there. You mentioned it's a, an extremely competitive industry as well. How does a business look like from uh, from your perspective? So for me, um, I think it's so important that when anybody gets in that they look at it like a business. And when you go in, it's like it's such a unique animal because again, there's so much unknown because no one really talks about it um and again like how often do you meet someone that's like been involved in that industry so like there's not a lot of like open source information if you will so it's understanding that it's a business first and once you're in there's a like, very clear divide between like the women and men that treat it like a business and the women and men that will actually shame you if you treat it like a business because you in their mind you should only be there for fun so for me, it's like you can go have fun and not be filmed, right? And have it not affect the rest of your life, literally. If you're going to make that decision that literally will follow you until the internet doesn't exist anymore, then you better try to make some money while you're doing it. What's the percentage of, of people who do it for fun versus who treat it as business? Oh, man. I would say, <laughs> I'm probably getting so much trouble. I would say 
in my experience, I would say maybe 10% of the women treat it like a business. No way. So, and, and the rest just go there to have fun and. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, it's a, a creative outlet for them. It's a sexual outlet for them. Um, it's an escape for some of them, but like they're there because like they just want like the physicality of it. And maybe some of them want the fame, but as far as like long-term strategic thinking, I would say it's probably about 10%. And if we're to take a look at kind of the top 100, uh, is the distribution the same? No. So definitely the top 100, I would say like there's a good mix. Like some of the girls are there just because um, like, I think if you genuinely are like wildly sexual and like you're there just because you want to have fun, that's also going to like translate on camera. So like people really enjoy that kind of content. So they'll naturally do well, some of them. And then some of them, it's a mix, right? Like they're happy to be there. They like their job, but they also like had all their ducks in a row. And that's why like, let's say they are working for bigger companies or getting a bigger payout or um, having a contract that puts them in that top 100. So I wouldn't say it's as much of a difference but i would say it's still probably more leaning towards the girls that maybe aren't as business savvy so i'd say maybe like 30 percent are out of the top 100. interesting it's it's still a pretty good distribution so in fighting and martial arts for example you sign a contract for 10 fights and you have like a fixed uh fixed pay for that i'm wondering i'm wondering if there are contracts with studios that that are done uh are people being on a payroll is there uh, are they being hired as contractors how does it look like so almost everyone's a contractor um i had i was almost contracted the whole time so i was almost contracted like studio to studio for the majority of my career um for me that's what made me like the happiest. It was like one less thing I had to worry about. I didn't have to like negotiate my rate with anybody. I knew exactly who I was going to be working with. And then you do have a little bit more like pull when you have a contract. Um, so you get to have like more demands than just, you know, like a independent contractor would per se. Mm -hmm. So, but most people, it's just like, you know, you go in, you get paid and you leave and there's almost like a low standard ish rate across the board some girls will negotiate some guys will negotiate but for the most part it's like this is what this scene kind of gets paid out um again when it comes to contracts it's like i think women are more agreeable like that's just proven i know some people get mad at that but it's it is proven women are more agreeable so if you get in and you're really young and someone gives you this contract and you want to be famous and that's your end goal you're just going to sign it and to me, like, that's the worst thing you can do because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what industry you're in. The person handing you the contract is trying to like cover their own ass and like have their priorities ahead of yours and the bottom line ahead of yours. So always give a contract to a lawyer. I know that sounds crazy, but you'd be so surprised at how many people don't in that industry. They just sign it. Um, so for me, I had a bit of a reputation as being like, as being problematic because I was like, no, like my lawyer's got to read it over. You'll get the contract back in a week or you need to, you know, amend X, Y, and Z. And they're like, well, no one does that. Like, that's fine. I'm the one that's signing it. So like, let's make these adjustments or my contract says this and why are you doing this? So, um, they can be there to protect you if you take the time, um, or, they can do you get a manager that that figures all of that stuff out or do you have to personally know a little bit of law and how to negotiate with people you have to kind of watch out for yourself i would not recommend any managers in the industry um definitely like 
again, it goes back to, I wish like we would talk about it more because then that gives the opportunity for growth and improvement. But when we kind of just like paint with a broad stroke and say, all of this is bad. We're not going to talk about it. Let's push it into the shadows. Like that we're going to actually do more harm and have more victims at the, at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, like the management's all garbage. Most of the agents, like there's one good agent that I would recommend to anybody. Other than that, everyone else kind of is like, again, just looking out for themselves. So if you do go in, it's like, I was always an independent until my last couple of years. And when I signed with a company or with an agency, it was like the worst decision. Like it just, it made everything complicated. Um, there was definitely like some financial issues that ended up happening out of it. So it's like either be independent or be with like that one agent. Like there's not a lot of options. Yeah, and I feel like there should be space for for good representation with where where people really look out for you uh, legally, financially, and help you also land more interesting deals in general. That's that's what happens in the in the movie industry, and I feel like that should translate also into adult industry as well. I wish, but like you know, the the movie industry has a union, and like the adult industry doesn't. I would say one advantage that's kind of. Um, really kind of peaked recently especially with like quarantine and everything being shut down in LA is girls kind of being forced to shoot for themselves and like make their own websites and or maybe join like a third party platform and then be in charge of their own content and to me like I think that's the most empowering thing that's happening right now is women are in charge of like their brand now and what they're shooting and then they're demanding their own prices and I think it's really awesome and it can be like it's going to be a huge shift in the industry for sure when all of this is over. And I definitely want to talk about this. So I was talking to a friend of mine. He's a marketer and asked him, what do you market? And I also had the marketing agency. He told me, I, I help I help Instagram models, you know, to uh, to make money, to monetize their audiences. I said, tell me more. And turns out what he does is he helps he helps promote the uh, OnlyFans accounts and he helps girls monetize them. And and then I, I asked him, oh, that's, that's pretty interesting. How, how much money is there? How, how, like, how much money are these girls making? And he told me that his uh, biggest client was making quarter million dollars a month, you know, in revenue. I was like, that's ridiculous. That is insane. That, that means that that, yeah. that that person is bringing home $3 million a year. That's, that, that's what big CEOs make. I'm wondering, I'm wondering, how, how, how that looks like, uh, how much money um, are girls making? That's very, like, that's a very realistic number. If you have a good audience, like, that's a very attainable number. Um, and it sounds crazy, and especially girls that aren't used to shooting for themselves. So I was lucky enough when I got in the industry, I already had my own site that I was managing prior to working for other companies. So I kind of, like, demanded my, my worth um, because I saw how much money could be made on the back end. So these girls right now that are being forced to kind of come up with creative ways, like work with OnlyFans or their own site, they're seeing this money, right? And they're like, or they're hearing these stories of 250, 250,000 a month. And they're like, there's like no way. And they're, it's very easy. It just, it sounds crazy. So you kind of have everything on tiers. So you have like your membership price, right? And that's usually super low. Like most girls have like five bucks, five bucks for membership. You have to compete with Netflix and all of these things, right? So you can't charge that much. So you get like, a, I don't know, like maybe 10% of your followers go over for that. But right, really what people are paying for is the engagement. So you're like, how does, you know, 4,000 members 
things turn into a hundred thousand dollars a month. Well, that's because people are paying for um, like FaceTime. So like they, they'll tip you to DM back and forth and constantly like to keep your attention or they'll pay you for specific content. Um, so if like they want you to film something or like take a specific photo and like a certain outfit for them, if you're like an Instagram model and like they want to see you in something that they send you or something like people spend so much money. I was talking to somebody um, in New York and he said that he alone spends $20,000 a month. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. That is so yeah. crazy. And he's like got like a chick, like a, you know, like a fiance, whatever. But it's just like people love like kind of like that, that real life. Like I know you're on the other side, live interaction. It's kind of like gamifying the experience, if you will. Um, so like, basically it's just like all these like little things that you can kind of stack on top of each other. And then people, um, people will pay it. You can do like a post, for example, that's all, like all blurred out. And you're like, if I get to 5,000 in tips, then I'll release it. And it happens and it's crazy. But I mean, right now, like OnlyFans is like changing the game. So when everything gets back open, like you can no longer underpay the talent because now they're very quickly finding out what they're worth. Exactly. And it's literally democratizing uh, probably the industry big time. Uh, the same thing happened with uh, with just broadcast TV and then we had YouTube and then we had a lot of independent people just being able to produce their own content. So nobody nobody wants to watch TV any longer. Uh, so it's it's really interesting how how people can monetize their audiences, uh, become content creators themselves, become independent, stop relying on others. It's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't even have to be explicit material, right? So like you can monetize your audience by having like a podcast or by having a blog or a vlog or YouTube tube channel or whatever it is. But I think a lot of it too comes down to like trust, right? It's like we don't want to trust like these giant corporations to tell us like what to watch or who to listen to or what's real and what's not. It's like we find these individuals that we just have like a connection with or like gravitate towards and then we want to like listen to them or follow them or support them. Um, So I think like we're just like shifting into more like independent decision-making and curating of our content. And you mentioned mentioned it's a monopoly. Can you tell me more about that? So so essentially it's like one big company that owns like every other little company. So like Pornhub is, is the same as like Brazzers, as Reality Kings, um as like bang like bang bros like it's all like owned by the same mega company so when it comes to like rates and things like that it's hard to negotiate because there's not like a lot of smaller companies anymore they kind of just like get gobbled up by this one bigger company so the one the one good thing is is that they kind of um like standardized if you will like the industry so like there's everything's a lot more streamlined and usually more predictable as to what like to expect on a set like there's not as many like issues but the other um but like the flip side of that is if there is an issue then it's very easy to get like blacklisted and then never be able to work again um so it's it's really tricky which is why again like having this alternative and like being in charge of your own content is like so so important and i would like i really hope like that trend sticks around and like that the women like 
don't let that go and things like normalize again. So distribution seems to be seems to be that thing that people have monopoly over. And then without distribution, it's really difficult to, you know, to get customers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. How profitable is the industry? So what from what end, right? Like if you're the company or you're, you're raking in money for sure, it's a multi-billion dollar industry, which is why like I always find it so interesting that no one wants to talk about it or pretend like no one's watching or paying. But clearly there's a bunch of people watching and paying because there's a lot of money that's being made on their end. I mean, like I want to say Pornhub has 150 million unique views a day. Like that's like they're the number one website in the world as far as traffic goes. So I mean, we're watching, we're paying. So I think we should start talking about it and maybe start like talking about like how we can make it safer for the, um, the actors and in, in the industry. Cause right now there's not, there's nothing really right. Like there's testing and that's it aside from testing. Like there's no other like protective measures for talent. So, um, for me, just from instances that I've seen, like just having like you know, HR would be huge, right? Like having someone that was like actually independent that was brought in for compliance reasons that would be beneficial to create like a safe space for women or men to discuss like any transgressions that might happen on set. Because when you're talking about something so intimate, right? Like something's going to happen. Like there's humans. So there's going to be like a window of error. So how do we, how do we address these like topics that no one wants to talk about, right? Yeah, and in the ideal world, you, men you mentioned HR, which is a very unconventional thing, and most people think HR are probably the most boring people in the world. Uh, but can can you tell me like what your transformation would be like? Would you would you have like psychologists also that can work with actresses and actors? Uh, how how in the ideal world would you transform the industry to be more safe, more human? I feel like there needs to be an on like I think it needs to be twenty one and up. 100%. I don't think that you're capable of understanding like the gravity of that decision until at least 21. And even that it's like, you know, you right still now don't. It's 18, right? Yeah. Which to me, like, I, yeah, it's I pretty early. Agree. It's so young. That's just so young. So like young. you're still, you're a teenager still. Right. So yeah, I would move it to 21. Um, I would make everything a paywall. So I don't believe in free content. I think with how much access children have to the internet. I think it's very irresponsible to have such extreme content that's without a paywall. So everything would have a paywall. Um, as far as talent goes, I think that you need to have someone like, like an industry vet of sorts that like tells them the truths about it. Like a lot of people, you create like a stage name because you think that you can distance yourself from it and then you can maybe like keep it a secret like that's never going to happen i don't care how small of a name you are someone will find out um so like really like driving that point home and then also um driving the point home like would you make this decision if you knew you were going to make zero money right because that's that's an op like that can happen i've seen it happen so because you're an independent contractor your taxes aren't taken out prior and a lot of these girls if they get an 18 they've never paid taxes before really right so they're getting paid and they think okay i just made a thousand dollars today well actually no you didn't you made you know about 750 keep the other to pay at the you know the end of the tax year well these people don't do it tax season comes along and then you don't have the money to foot the bill so, and then that ends up being like a cycle, right? So having like, again, like it's like almost like an onboarding or someone 
like actual agencies that are there and treated like mainstream um, agencies that have to be responsible and like set them up with accountants and set them up with managers that have to apply or live by like the same rules and licensing as mainstream Hollywood does. But right now we don't. Sounds so simple. It sounds very simple. But, you know, have, have you have thought to... about starting a company yourself that that takes care of all of those things? I feel like you can you can make tens, uh, tens of millions of dollars doing it easy. No. And I think I mean, I definitely entertained it in the beginning. But for me, like, again, I I don't want like porn to be like my end. Like, I, again, like I think it was something I was supposed to do and that it served a purpose. But for me right now, I'm trying to like figure out like what else is on the other side of it. Um, I think someone needs to do it and that would be amazing. Like I said, there's like one agent right now and he's like that guy, like he tells you to save for your, you know, for your taxes. When you first are signing up, he's like, what advice would you give me? And he's like, don't do it. Like that's his advice. He's like, just don't do it. Cause it's a very big decision. And again, a lot of people like you're going to be doing it for, you know, maybe 30, $40,000 a year. And to me, that doesn't justify all of the doors that are going to close after the fact. What's the average salary more or less? I honestly would say it's probably like, it's probably around like 50 grand a year. That's not much. Mm -mm. And what's the, what's the upper uh, threshold? Uh, the upper threshold would probably be, I'd say the most that I know anyone's currently making is probably like two or 3 million a year. Two, 3 million a year through the studios, right? Oh, through studios. No, 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 no. Through studios. I think you'd probably max out at like 200 to 300 a year. Still pretty the good. Girls were, it's, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. But again, like you have such a short shelf life. It's almost like being an athlete, right? Like you have this window that you can monetize. And then after that window, it's very hard. So again, if you're very smart with two to 300, then yeah, you can maybe justify that. But now with the girls that have like OnlyFans and, you know, premium whatever accounts and websites that are making like a million like that's pretty epic that is pretty epic uh, but it's again it's such a small percent so i like i never want to like romanticize how much money can be made because it's like anything else right like if you want to look at acting how many people try to pursue an, a, a career in mainstream acting it's like what one percent of people actually make it it's very similar so i don't want to say like oh you can never do it because you know, someone would have said that to me and I do very well, but it's like 90% of people. That's not the case. Absolutely. And it's crazy. I love, I love your plan. It, it seems like you've thought about all of the things that can improve so, so well. I wonder like why, I wonder why nobody just writes it down in a little, in a little kind of a proposal type of thing and just brings it to the guys who have the monopoly over, uh, over the industry. Well, so it kind of comes down to like, everything comes down to money, right? So it doesn't, it, they don't need to, like they, it doesn't affect their bottom line. And then again, like there's such a taboo around the industry in general that no one like takes anybody seriously. Um, so the discussions just aren't being had. And again, because you have the industry full of like such young women, like they're just not organized. I see. And probably very difficult for them like to take this initiative and go against the you know the the, the big guys and you know uh, being afraid that they get banned and 
uh, that feels a little a little abusive. You know, there are like those antitrust laws, you know, in, in the corporate world where you're not allowed to, you know, have a monopoly and competition is encouraged. Whereas like here, it seems like it seems like you cannot do this. You are either in or you're out. No, not really. And even like the smaller companies like still kind of have to bend a little bit to the whims of this bigger company again, because like they own Pornhub. So it's like play nice or, you know, we're going to just put all of your content on Pornhub and it's going to be there forever. You know what I mean? So it's like, or we'll just take some of your content. So it's kind of like negotiating with like a gangster essentially. So um, I would love to see, I would love to see this streak of like independent content makers, like kind of last and like force a change. Um, and I really think it's going to, I think the only people that are going to be okay with going, going back to how the things used to be COVID, um, are going to be brand new girls that don't know any better or those girls that just like, don't care about the finances at all. But like all of those like business minded women and men, they're going to see their worth and they're not going to like accept things that should have been improved a long time ago. Yeah, that's fascinating. Uh, I want to talk about the mental health because that's a very common, uh, very common issue, I guess, that, that gets brought up uh, with the adult industry. I want to talk about mental health across the actresses and across the consumers of the content. Uh, do you have any takes on, on that issue? Uh, so a bunch. Um, so when it comes to the consumer side, again, it goes to a paywall, right? So I think having unlimited access to porn, right? I think, I can't remember the exact numbers, but there's like thousands of videos added daily to Pornhub. Like no one's going through those, right? So like you're kind of creating like a dopamine, 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 dopamine hit every time, you know, they're hitting that scroll button or that search button or whatever it is. And then on top of that, um, when you have all of this material, it's almost like, the more you're exposed to something, the bigger, like the wider your threshold gets for any kind of content. So people that might have like a fetish of sorts, like it just gets more and more and more and more extreme to the point where you're like, this is problematic. Like this isn't content that necessarily should be, be being released, especially for free. Um, and again, like it gets tricky because you're talking like censorship and I'm very like, anti-censorship i'm very like freedom of expression freedom of speech yada yada but at some point like certain content is just too vulgar or explicit for any consumption in my in my mind so when you keep making such extreme violent content and again it's some around something that we're not really talking about so we're not having the conversation of like these are two consenting adults right so if you have someone who's maybe young or doesn't know better and thinks that this is real, then they might start thinking that's like acceptable behavior in real life. So then you start getting more um, like physical assaults, especially on women from, from men because they're watching this content. Um, you know, choking is now like a, an expected form of foreplay across the board. And it's like, okay, well, we have to understand like that is, that's violent, right? And if that's what you're into, then that's fine. Again, you're consenting adults do what you want, but that shouldn't be the norm. Like you shouldn't have like a 14 year old boy watching this video where someone's getting choked and think that that's normal. And, and that's their first exposure to, to sex, right? Through porn. Exactly. So that's one huge reason I'm paywall no matter what. I also think we should be limiting the intensity of scenes. Um, 
And I think that there should be more resources, like as far as like addiction goes, because again, like technology is so new in the sense of like having 24 seven access and having unlimited content. And we don't know what that's doing to our neurochemistry. Right. So you have these people that have like this unlimited black hole that they're trying to fill. And then maybe they recognize that there's an issue, but again, it's so taboo that no one's talking about it. So providing resources for um, like addictive tendencies or behaviors when it comes to the consumer side. Would you just put it on the website in the navigation bar? Yeah, why not? Right. I mean, like people are paying for ad space. So I'm even nonprofits need money. So it would benefit both people. Right. So like the company is getting paid for the ad um, for like to advertise this, the nonprofit or whatever it is. And then the nonprofit's getting all the traffic. So it, I mean, it's a mutually beneficial relationship. Where would they, they, they would advertise on the porn website? Yeah. Why not? Right. Uh, yeah, totally. I guess, I guess I, I, have, I have a take on, on advertising in general. I do advertising in the real life, uh, in terms of like a non-adult industry and, and it's, it's really interesting. I'm always like trying to optimize, fig- figuring out like what type of message, what people want to hear and, you know, who is my audience and all that. And I feel like with, with, with porn, especially with like free websites, people go to a website with a very uh, specific thing in mind, and and when when there are like ads at their face, and they don't have like you know an intent necessarily like to purchase something, that's like a, a bit a, a bit spammy. And I feel like on porn websites, advertising is quite quite spammy. I'm, I'm wondering like if you if you have a take on that. Because well, I think mu- it's really spammy. Like if you go on a site, all of a sudden there's like 20 windows popped up and you're like, oh my God, I don't know what I just did. I broke <laughs> so I think that's overkill for sure. But I mean, think about when you go to see a movie, right? And if it's like rated R and like, let's say it's rated R for violence. Like there's usually, like you can look at the rating and you know what you're getting yourself into. So right now there's mm-hmm. like no rating across, like porn is just all porn, right? It's like all that NC-17. And some of it I would say is like way on the other end. So like there's no like, disclaimer going into it like you don't know especially when you're just like clicking through like you can get into a hole just like you do on social media you click 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 and before you know it you're watching something that you're like holy shit how is this real like how is this happening so maybe even just like a disclaimer right like what you're about to see is like you know between two consenting entertainers like this is not real don't try this at home any of that but like there's there's nothing so again when I first got into porn I thought all that reality stuff was real and I by no means was an idiot. So it's very believable, some of the content. So like even just that would be a step in the right direction. Um, and then as far as like when it comes to like the female entertainers, I had like a pretty, um, well, it was like my last year of filming an acquaintance of mine actually committed suicide that year right before the awards. <clears throat> and it was, it's tough. It's like, you unfortunately see that probably more than a lot of other industries. And it's because like, again, like there's no resources, like there's no support system. If it's actually the opposite, because a lot of the times when you decide to get in the industry, you lose your support system on the outside because they don't support the decision. So a sense of like isolation can really kick in. Um, again, because like there's no onboarding and like you don't really get to know what you're getting yourself into the amount of bullying and like online, I'm going to call it violence because like when you 
are on your phone and like you see nothing but negative comments or people like tearing apart your character or your something, a physical trait, whatever it is. And you see that from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed, like that can take a toll on you. So it's very hard for a normal person to understand because they're like, oh, just ignore the bad comments, ignore, like you don't even know them, but it, it eats away at you. You know what I mean? Like very slowly. So we live in like this very like triggered society right now where it's like any kind of speech can get you in trouble. And if you don't agree with like the, you know, the mass consensus, then all of these other people that are online kind of like rally each other up to like join together to bully you. And that's a lot of people. If you have millions of followers, that's a lot of people coming at you. And that's essentially what happened to her. She just got bullied so much that she's like, couldn't take it anymore. So again, it, it goes, it goes to like having resources, having conversations, even possibly, and I don't, not usually a fan of unions, but like, even that would be a step up, like unionizing it, just how uh, mainstream is. It's fascinating. And it seems like from both sides, it would be really complicated and challenging to uh, find uh, some sort of like belonging or relief because in in the industry if you if you get bullied uh, then you probably want to run away from that a little bit but you can also not go into the world and kind of share your story all that openly because people people do not take it as you know as nicely I, i would imagine yeah and then there's also like the oh well you made that decision it's your fault you know what you're getting into i can tell you firsthand nobody knows what they're getting into like no one understands the magnitude until you experience it and that just is what it is um so i think if you ever are in like the situation where someone's coming to you for support like you need to like be there for them because you don't know what the other side could be you know what i mean like if if she didn't feel so bullied she would probably still be here if there were more resources she would still be here she had a really bad experience on set if there was someone like in hr as we joke about it like if there was an hr you know she could still be here so it's like having like these safety nets that need to be there like you you have people having sex on camera right a lot can go wrong like there needs to be someone there and then also like that's not a normal thing like i'm not like completely dissociated to where i think it's not a big deal i think you know it is a big deal a lot of people aren't necessarily going to process that the same so you should have someone that you can kind of talk to about this and a lot of psychologists are not trained in this like especially if you're in the, like you know where i'm at in the south like no one's going to offer you advice or maybe offer you like an unjudgmental ear to like kind of you know divulge on so um there needs to be like people that are specifically trained for people that are in that industry what would be your advice to people who have entertained that thought what should they do how should they think about it who should they talk to so i think that the first step is getting like to a professional i think um it's just like something that's so heavy and it's not something that you want to take lightly. It's also something I think to recognize that it's not normal. So don't like push it to the side and say, it's okay. I'll just ignore it. It's just a bad day. Like if you're having those thoughts, it's very intense and you should take it very seriously. So first step is find a professional, get in immediately. And then also find somebody that you, that can kind of be your rock. So who is that going to be? Is that like a parent, a grandparent, a friend, um, a romantic partner, whatever it is. And like, and then have them be involved in the process and, 
and just like, you know, just talking openly, but um, definitely a first step would be getting a professional. Fantastic advice. Uh, definitely starting the conversation, talking to professionals. Um, yeah, massively appreciate it. You're sharing that message. And, and right now, you are transitioning into another phase of your life. You have a podcast and you're looking to build your personal brand as Candice. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about how that transition came to be and what you're looking to create in the world? So for me, um, it was kind of like when I decided to stop shooting for mainstream companies and I was just trying to figure out like kind of what was next. I started um, a Twitch stream for a while so I was doing like their IRL section and I was like a Twitch partner. And so I was exploring that. That wasn't like the perfect fit for me. Cause I'm just like, not like a YouTuber. Like I don't, I tried doing like that vlogging out in public and I would rather shoot a scene any day, which is like way more vulnerable. <laughs> like I, it was too invasive for me. I was like, Nope, not for me. What did you cover? I'm sorry. What did you talk about on Twitch? Uh, we talked about, well, so I did a lot of cooking and then traveling, um, kind of like just like that kind of a mix and then just like live, like wine and Q and A's and all of that stuff. <clears throat> but it was just like, it was too much. I didn't want to do every day vlogging. I did not want to vlog out in public. It just was too much for me to handle. Um, so that wasn't the right fit. And then podcasting just like kept coming up in my mind, but I was like too nervous to start. I was like, what am I going to talk about? Who am I going to talk to? Who's going to listen? And then it just like, it was kind of like when I made that decision to get into the adult industry, it was like, I just kept feeling a pull. So I was like, I'm just going to do it. My first couple episodes are probably going to suck, but like, that's for anybody. And you're never going to get better if you don't try. So I just kind of put it out there. Um, I've been lucky enough to get like pretty good guests so far and have like pretty good topics. And I really enjoy it. And I like doing the research we have like a good amount of listeners. So I feel like I'm like on to something. Um, and then as far as like making the decision to uh, say my real name, cause like that was something I mulled over forever. It was like, for me, for a while it felt wrong. I was like, well, I should just like use my stage name because that's where all my followers are. That's like the only person anyone cares about at the moment. But then I was like, no, like I don't want to like keep feeding into the idea that like that person's real, right? Like that's an actor, like she shows up for set, like set and that's it. Like that's a fictitious character. So a lot of people, I always say like, they take the humanity out of like performers for some reason, like we're not people, we're just like these like, you know, people on a screen and that's where we exist. So I wanted to say like, no, like my name's Candace. I'm a real person. I have dreams and thoughts and, you know, principles, like all of these things that make up a real living, breathing human. And I'm going to share those things with you. So it just would have felt fake or like unauthentic to do under my stage name. And, and that's fascinating. I feel like you're certainly a human and I, I feel like having this, this personal connection to people is, is what's probably lacking in the, in the adult industry. You know, I, I'd rather get to know somebody and like what's, what's interesting and sexy for me is knowing that there are people around me just like me who have like their real lives, you know, who have their backstories and who have their ambitions. And, you know, how, how did that thought come to you? Because it's a probably very unique thought that, hey, people want to not just see my body or not just see me as an entertainer, but also they're interested 
in who I am as a person. So for me, it it definitely took a while. I think for a lot of time I had that doubt and I was like, I'm only supposed to be like this ornament of sorts and like stay on that shelf. And at some point it came down to like, what were my values? And then what was my my value of myself, right? So like, I'm not gonna let you define my ceiling. Like you don't get to tell me that this is all I get to achieve in life or these are the only dreams I'm allowed to have. So once I like started thinking about it in that way, then it didn't matter. It didn't matter if I was going to like flop or have no one listen. It was like, I'm going to define what I want and I'm just going to do it. And I mean, I've had, I'm sure a bunch of people like make fun of me and like, who does she think she is? And that's fine. You know what I mean? I think a lot of that comes maybe from like their own self-doubt. But for me, it was like, this is what I want out of life. And I'm just going to try. Fascinating. Can you tell me a little bit about the guests that you have on the podcast? Because you, you've you had some fascinating people uh, on it. And, and it's it just something that I would not, I would not even think about, you know. I know. I'm like, so we have like a mutual friend. So I can't take all the credit because like he's been making like a good amount of introductions. So um, I had uh, Matt Thomas on from Love is Blind and he founded um, Brawl for a Cause and is like the world champion chess boxer, which like I didn't even know was a thing. I had to look it up. Um, I thought it was amazing. I've had um, Brett Hogarth on and he's like a high performance flow coach that works at the Flow Genome Project with Stephen Kotler, who's like a huge name in that world. If anyone doesn't know, like very, very big deal. So I was like so nervous for that one. I was like, (laughs) this is like, I'm jumping in and having like insane guests. Like I didn't get like a lot of time to warm up. I had one of my really good girlfriends on from the industry and she's like a mega name, like pretty much household name. Um, thankfully that one was easy for me just cause I knew her so well, but the other ones I'm like, Oh my gosh, these are like real successful people <laughs> in like other walks of life that like, I'm just like kind of learning about and hopefully I don't sound stupid when I'm interviewing them. But, um, again, like super fortunate. And not at all. You're having such insightful, deep conversations with people who have like PhDs in neuroscience and that's fascinating. It's so crazy. And the thing is too, is everyone had kind of expected me to have like a sexuality podcast or like, you know, sexual health or well-being or something in that regard. Cause again, like people just kind of want to stick you on, uh, like kind of pigeonhole you a little bit. Uh-huh. I was like, no, like to me it's sex and stuff is interesting for sure, but that's like not where I want to be. Like the spirituality interests me, self-improvement interests me, high performance interests me. Like I have all these other interests and that's where I want to explore. So I was like, not going to let anyone else dictate what the conversations were going to be. Do you have a dream list of people you want to be on? Oh my gosh. Yes. And I'm trying so hard. It's tough because again, like there's that taboo. So sometimes when they find out that they're like, oh, can't do it. Um, But in a dream world, like I would have Esther Perel on. I love her. I'm like relationship psychologist, just like guru. She wrote the five love languages, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. She's just a total badass. Um, I would have, I would want uh, Tim Ballard on. 
just because like I love what he's doing when it comes to like uh, his work with trafficking. I think it's like such an important like humanitarian issue that like is global and he's just doing such beautiful work. Um, so I'd love to have him on. Uh, Tim Ferriss would be really cool because I think he's just like really trippy. I don't know. I have like a giant list, but we'll see. Like I'm going to take the Tim Ferriss approach and just like email everyone like weekly until totally they respond. <laughs> just be super annoying. Yeah, that would be that would be amazing. I think I think that will work. Um, that will work for sure. No, your your podcast and just your enthusiasm for life, the cool conversations that that you've had. No, absolutely. Do you have any any more names? You mentioned uh, three people. Any any cool people? Maybe some of my listeners might know. Um. Well, when I was talking to uh, Hogarth, he was like, "Well, maybe I'll get Kotler on." And I was like, "Oh my gosh, that would be really cool." Um. I think that would be great. I think Ray Dalio would be really awesome. Um. Ray I've been Dalio. following him on Twitter and I think he's awesome. Mark Manson, he wrote that, um, the, what is the subtle the, art of not giving a fuck? Not giving a fuck. Yeah. Yeah. That's I'd like a fantastic to have him book. on. Um, and then I would say like one of my like pinnacle people would probably be like Jordan Peterson. Amazing. I'm, I'm obsessed with him. And again, I love him. there's like the psychology connection. And I just, I love people that aren't afraid to like say their ideas or their opinions or like their philosophies, especially when they're, like the outliers of like the conventional like way of right now. Um, so like Jordan Peterson and to me is just like a total pioneer and I absolutely love him. Yeah. Jordan Peterson is amazing. Just his outlook on, on life of vulnerability. You know, he talks about like depression openly, you know, he cries uh, on, you know, in during his interviews and shows that just like the emotional side of, you know, just being a man, being, you know, being human, uh, fascinating person. And the, the, here's the, here's the interesting thing. Like most of those people, they're, 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 extremely like extremely sophisticated in, in certain ways and uh i'm really glad uh, glad to hear this this is this i feel like it opened uh, it breaks that stigma that you know that people who worked in the adult industry you know they you know they are not intelligent or they're like you know they all care about entertainment and they cannot uphold a conversation on anything else but uh, you mentioned uh, yeah you mentioned some some amazing intellectuals Oh, I know. So that's why I'm like, I have to get like my practice hours in before that were to ever happen. So I could feel like confident, but yeah, if I were to like have a big dream, those people would be on. What's your ambition for the next 10 years of your life? If you have one. Ooh, we actually just did an exercise like this. Um, so Brandon has like his, for his Beanie and Blazer, he has that's like right. his little workbook. So my husband and I did this like as part of our date night every night, we completed it. So one of the things was coming up with like your core values and then how that was going to apply to like your five and 10 year goals. So um, I would say for me within 10 years, I would love for the Candace like brand, if you will, to either meet or exceed what my previous brand is doing. So like, to me, that'll be like, I finally did it. Like I'll have like that sense of accomplishment when I've like had that financial, like clue, if you will, like you did the right thing, you took the right path and you finally made it. Any places you want to travel, uh, any, any things you want to experience? Oh, that's such a tease right now. So we used to <laughs> Trust me, trust me. I've been locked down for the last five months oh, <laughs> in, in Argentina. Right? Oh my God. So we used to travel all of the time. Like, I mean, in 2018, we were maybe like in like North Carolina for like a month out of the whole year. Like we were just traveling everywhere. So this Where do you is- go? 
difficult. Um, I would say I've always wanted to go to Japan. So that's like on the top of the list. Greece is on the top of the list. Um, I've always wanted to go to Australia. I want to go back to Iceland. We went to Iceland in December. I really want to go during the summer. <laughs> I like didn't know that they had like 12 hour or what, how many hours of darkness. It was like maybe 16. I don't remember. It was dark the whole That's time. That's insane. Didn't know that when I booked the trip. Did, did you see like amazing. the Northern Lights? Yeah, we actually did. And we got some pictures. It was insane. Fascinating. Like, it was one of the best trips of my life. Like, it's just like magical there. I'm like, I understand why the Vikings thought this was the land of the gods. Like, it is so cool there. Do you have a bucket list or uh, any, uh, may maybe other places you want to go to or like things you want to experience? Oh my goodness. Um, I don't know that I really have a bucket list. I'm not like a huge adrenaline junkie. So like my husband is and he like jumps out of planes and does all of these crazy things. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't look. Um, for me, it's just being able to like travel. And then I would say probably like just being able to like re-experience those things like with my child, because I feel like when you have a kid and like they're just discovering all of these things, it's almost like you get to see the magic, I guess, in real life again. So I think it's very easy to like lose that. But when you see them light up over like some things so simple you're like oh my gosh like that's so beautiful and you kind of kind of re-experience life again that's fascinating and right now you're a mom first of all congratulations thank you that's amazing how has your life transformed people say when you have a child it's just completely a different journey so there's like the you before a kid and then there's the you after a kid like you there is like a metamorphosis for sure that happens like and you kind of have to say goodbye to the old person and then like usher in this new version of yourself but for me it's been like nothing short of just like magical and transformative and definitely chat like at times challenging but like again i think when we have challenges if like you make it through the other side you come out such a stronger person and you see things like so much more beautifully and like refreshed um tell I me think about it, sleep sleep is uh, an important thing people talk about <laughs> we were really lucky we only had one month of like sleep regression where he was up every hour like every hour so I was crying. I was so tired. I'm like, what's wrong? Why is he doing this? But it was only one month um, of that. And then we sleep trained and now he sleeps like 12, 13 hours straight. So like we're rested here. Like we are sleeping. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's been like the most incredible journey so far. And do you, do you want to experience any particular like places, things with your child? Do you want to do any, uh, anything in, in a unique way? For example, one of our guests, he, uh, he took his girls and he went around the world with them and they were homeschooled. They were just doing, you know, their homework. He was running his businesses. And that was something, something unique and something I thought was unconventional. You, me you mentioned you spent 11 months out of an entire year traveling. Would you imagine kind of an unconventional, unusual journey for, for your kid as well? Um, I definitely want him to be well-traveled. I think that the more of the world you see and the more cultures that you see, like the, just like the bigger your heart is. And I think the True. bigger your, I guess, perspective of like humanity is. So I think a lot of people 
that tend to like get angry or stuck have never left their hometown. So that's where a lot of it comes. I think nuance is so important when it comes to developing a mind. So constantly having like these new experiences just helps you grow. So I definitely want to like really capitalize on being able to travel and have him like see people from all walks of life. That's really important to me. Um, as far as education goes right now, we're like trying to sort that out because we're not fans of the education system at all. We never thought we would be like the homeschooling type because there's obviously the stigma with that too, right? It's like, ooh, homeschool kids are weird. But right now it's like, you kind of want to be in control of what you're teaching your child because depending on what school they go to, it can get a little bit crazy. So um, we're, we're trying to figure out- social education is a really important part because that's something that you, you cannot teach a kid. Exactly. And they have to have like that sense of independence outside of you, right? Like they have to think that, you know, mom and dad aren't here and I have to practice my own autonomy. And what does that mean? And, you know, that's, that's huge for their confidence and that's huge for them being independent. So how do you do that if you're homeschooling? So it's this really tricky balance. Like you're gonna have to like, we're not, we have no idea what we're doing. We have like six months, well, probably about like, we have like a little shy of a year before we have to figure it out. Interesting. You know, you got me thinking it would be really cool to have a school that doesn't have any learning, but has only social. And then you get to homeschool your kid if you want. They're actually doing this thing. Some parents it's called micro schools. So what you do is you get like other parents with like kids that are similarly aged. Um, and like each family sets up like a, like a study location and you split all the resources. So it's not really expensive. And then you hire an accredited teacher that comes in and teaches all of the kids. So it's almost like a school, like a private school, but just really, really small. Interesting concept. A uh, weird question. Have you, have you thought about having the conversation with, uh, with your, uh, with, about you being in the adult industry? So for sure, like we definitely don't want to lie to him about anything. I think that's, I don't believe in lying in general. So I wouldn't do that with my, my son, but, um, I think it comes to finding out when that appropriate age is going to be. Um, I feel like kids are like talking about sex earlier and like an earlier than ever. So it's just like kind of like looking for those like little clues that he's like starting to like talk to his friends about sex. And once I realize that he's aware of that, like sitting him down and saying, okay, well, this is what I, mommy used to do. And sex is not anything that's shameful. Um, if it's between two consenting adults, it can be fun. It doesn't always have to be love or between married people. Like I want to, I want to have a very like realistic view of what sex is. And to me, like, that's what healthy sex education is. It's not like it's only between man and wife and anything other than that. It has to be abstinence because that's not realistic. And then that's when you end up with kids that are, you know, have teen pregnancies. So having like just very open, open, you know, source of communication and just being like brutally honest and seeing seeing what happens i mean what we say is like at some point in your life your child is going to like say that they hate you and think that you're the worst person in the world for whatever reason so if like that's our biggest struggle if that's like the worst hurdle that we have to go over then i'll consider like ourselves like very lucky 
um, because a lot of families go through a lot worse. So, I mean, he has two loving parents that are married and can work from home and spend time with him. And there's just so many more benefits that I see that I'm not like nervous about that conversation. That is amazing. Uh, first of all, I'm fascinated by your general outlook on life. You you seem to be such a positive person, and your personal narrative is is just amazing. Everything everything that kind of seems to come into your universe seems to be you know this empowering empowering um, message narrative for yourself. How, how do you, do you feel like you you've had this your entire time? Do you have to like proactively uh, you know kind of change your thinking so that you don't have to go down kind of the darker path and you, you can be, you know, building a great context, uh, context and personal narrative. Well, thank you. That's like such a huge compliment. <laughs> First, thank you. Um, and no, absolutely not. This has not been the way that I always was. I feel like, so I had a pretty rough childhood growing up. Um, I didn't have like the best examples as far as like adults around me as to like, how to properly handle emotions and like what is happiness. I just didn't have a lot of that around me. So I kind of had to find it for myself. And I would say for the, like the first half of my life, it was very angry, very much like blaming others for my situation and, you know, kind of life happened to me and not for me. Like the very typical um, outlook of someone that is, you know, negative that you would see. And then I met my now husband and he's just like such an incredible person. I've never met someone more positive in my life or like so hardworking, so open-minded, um, so supportive. He kind of is like, he was there for my, like my bad uh, behavior almost, if you want to call it that, or my like my dark era and he was like okay I love you but you can either try to improve and look at life differently and be happier or like this isn't going to work and I'll you know want nothing but the best for you but like this isn't where I want to be so we actually did um it's called bio cybernaut so it oh that's right that is crazy they actually were one of my clients i, I was no way yeah yeah that's so funny I, I do remember i was listening to one of your podcast episodes and you mentioned them and i was like i completely for, have forgotten about this tell oh, me it, it was the most important thing i've ever done in my life like aside from like having a child there it, there's never been such a like a very obvious like death of myself if you will, like totally come out transformed on the other side to where you can't recognize before. So to give you an idea, like a visual for your listeners. So did you see Endgame, Avengers Endgame? No, I have not. Okay. okay. So there's this scene where Bruce Banner and the Hulk, like they're now the same person. So it's like the Hulk body, but like Bruce Banner's mannerisms. So they travel back in time and they can't like let their past self see them. So like they're kind of in the dark watching this fight scene unfold. And he, the new Hulk, who is now like the calm, mild, you know, enlightened version of the Hulk sees the old Hulk, like hulking out, smashing cars, screaming, bashing things. And he's like embarrassed. And he's like, oh my God, that's like what I used to do. So old Hulk leaves and then he has to go in and pretend to be old Hulk. He like can't even find, like, ugh, 
uh, and he's like smacking cars, but like with half the enthusiasm, like he literally can't channel that anymore. And for me, like that's the best visualization of like me before BioCybernaut and like me after BioCybernaut. So like old Hulk versus new Bruce Banner Hulk. <laughs> so we were lucky enough. We did our lessons with Dr. Hart actually. And he is like amazing. So incredible. Like just like so profound, Super so passionate. many lessons and like you go, we did a week long of what they call double sessions. So you go in first thing in the morning, they take your phones. There's no Just clocks. for a little bit of context of what is, what is exactly neurofeedback training and what, what do people do in via cyber not? So they have um, different programs. So they have like alpha one, two, and three, and that's just alpha brainwaves. So that's part of what gets... Um, athletes into a flow or you know peak performers into like that set sense of like everything's just happening there's no sense of time um like everything's just kind of fluid and happening easily like that's part of flow so if you can kind of um purposefully get your brain waves to be in a high alpha state then you actually are a lot more productive um you don't have to think as hard to like be like physically um to physically excel if you're in sports, whatever. There's a lot more clarity when it comes to thinking. They also have theta. So theta is kind of like daydreamy, sleepy kind of stage. And that's another brainwave. And then that's where like a lot of creativity happens. Um, a lot of like what some people would say manifestation happens. And essentially it's like, if you can control these brain waves because we don't have feedback, right? Like you can move your hands and see that your fingers are moving and that's feedback that's visual feedback you have tactile feedback but you don't actually have feedback on your brain waves so they set up electrodes onto your brain um, and depending on what course you're in will depend on how many but there's a bunch they go through the walls and then your brain waves are actually um expelled like through like auditory like horns so you can hear them so, <laughs> so you, you hear your own brain in action, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that um, auditory feedback actually helps you to control your brain waves. So now you're like, okay, if it's going high pitch, then that means I'm not in charge of it. And you can try to like bring it down and like get yourself into that alpha state because we did alpha training. Um, and by the end of it, if you do the week of doubles, you have as much control over your alpha brainwaves as a monk that's been practicing for 20 years it is crazy like it is, is nothing shy of like just transformative that is amazing and i'm so happy that you were able to experience this it seems like it's been a transformative experience as far as i remember um it's pretty pricey yes it's very expensive <laughs> It's like $20,000 or something. So Dr. Hart now is like 60 a person, like 60,000. 60. Yeah. <laughs> very, very expensive. But his, he had someone there that he was training. Her name was uh, Tara. So if like anyone that's looking, um, she is a lot more affordable and she's just one of many great coaches that they have. So Dr. Hart, it's just like his time is so valuable and there's only one of him. That's why he's so expensive. But everyone that he trains is like really, really, really good at what they do. Um, and I think that they're 20, I want to say. They're in like the yeah. 15 to 20, which is still very it, expensive, but I can't totally. tell you enough. Like anyone who can like somehow make this happen, it's, I couldn't recommend it more. 
Yeah, fascinating. And it's probably a great, uh, great investment. I, I got to go because I, I did get invited <laughs> to, to, to go uh, when we were working together a year ago. So definitely you inspired me. I'm telling you, like, you will make all of your money back in some way. I can't tell you how, but it's like things just start like unfolding for you after. Like you see the world differently. Your body feels differently. Like it's just crazy. It's like there's going to be a before and after for you. That's what people say about Vipassana type of experiences, 10 days of meditation. Okay. No, I haven't. Have you thought about doing any of those? So surprisingly, I'm really bad at meditation. I try. So I use the um, Waking Up app by Sam Harris. So that one's like really, really good for me um, because it's like it, it talks you through it. So if your mind starts to wander, he'll help like rope you back in. But if one of the things they say is that there is no such a thing as being bad at meditation. I know, (laughs) but I am, I I promise. I promise. Um, I think just trying it and doing like, you know, even one minute is good for anybody, but eventually I would love to do some kind of like yogi retreat, meditation retreat. Um, eventually. Fascinating. First of all, thank you so, so much for this amazing conversation. We've covered so much ground and I just loved your energy. You're such an enthusiastic person with big aspirations, just positive outlook on life. What would you like people to take away from, from this conversation? What are the big messages that you would like people to remember? Um, Big messages I would say is always have an open line of communication with the people that are the most important to you. Um, And what that means is like truly being there to like listen in a non-judgmental space um, and like being there for them. I think that's just, we need more of that in everyone's lives. I would say also like don't let anyone define your value so like you are in charge of like your self-worth so um you know always keep that in mind i really love the conversation how can people find out more about what you do follow you and how um how can people follow your new brand name so um on instagram and pretty much all of the handles it's just candace horback there's only one of me um and then my podcast is chattingwithcandace.com Stellar. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you.